Today is November 20th. It's Thanksgiving week. There's some roster movements to bring up. The looming news of Johan Oviedo is eye-opening. Another offseason, maybe more rule changes. Special guest today to talk about it. You're listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Yins guys, thank you for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast where we talk all about them Pittsburgh Pirates and that. My name is Josh, and I am by myself as of right now. Don't worry. We have a guest joining soon. Jake is out this week, and our friend and yours, Gary Morgan, will be sitting in for Jake tonight. Um, and we have an exciting com- maybe exciting might be a weird word. We have a conversation to have tonight um, that I am excited about just to have the conversation with him. However, that doesn't mean that it's exciting. Gary and I are going to be talking about Johan Oviedo and the elbow injury. Uh, we know, or I know, that a lot of people. I've covered this. These things come up on Mondays. That's what happens. That's exactly what happens. They come up on Mondays, the day that we release. And so while everyone else has had their share of things to say about it and what we need to do and who we need to get, we will try to cover something a little bit different. Johan Oviedo's injury has some impact, and we're going to get into some of those things uh, that will be impacted and um, and just kind of have a conversation about that without talking about necessarily. I I don't know where the conversation will go, but you know it's not a it's not a goal to say these are the people that we need to go get. It's not we're not accomplishing anything in that way. But I think that there's some other things that that there are to talk about about this. Um, the reason that Gary's not here right now is because there's a few things that I want to cover before we get into that conversation and rather than having him sit through them and not be able to not 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 be able to but for me to sit here and ramble a bunch of things and then him just sit there I figure it's better for his time it's better for your time if I just get through some of these quick hits and then we can get into talking about Johan Oviedo and then the second half of our conversation uh talking about Manfred and more rule changes and TV stuff and things like that. Stick around for that. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, so, you know, let's get through this thing. Transactions this week. Obviously, off-season, all of these things that come up in the schedule. We have Rule 5 decisions. We have qualifying offer decisions. The Pirates did not have any of those, but those are things that happened. Uh, owners meetings. The A's are moving to Las Vegas. Okay, we'll talk about that more, I'm sure, as the off-season goes. Also, non-tender deadline was Friday. That's kind of the big thing. That's the thing where all your arbitration, all your pre-arbitration guys, you got to tender them a contract or they become a free agent. Um, So let's get into it. The Pirates select the contracts of shortstop Sung Che Chang uh, and right-handed pitcher Braxton Ashcraft. No Jace Bowen. Uh, We haven't talked about this very much at all. I'm not surprised. He could have been added. He wasn't. Some of you out there wish he was. Some of you don't care. I think that uh, let this thing play out and we'll see what happens, but it's not surprising what they decided to do. Friday, the contracts were tendered to every player except for Osvaldo Beto and Hunter Stratton. 
Uh, Jason Mackey did report that the Pirates hope to bring back Beto and Stratton on minor league contracts. I think that makes sense. Uh, you're going to you're gonna go into this offseason. There's some guys that are already injured that are going to immediately be added to the 60-day uh, 60 DL or IL, excuse me. A little flashback there. 60-day injured list. And as soon as they do, you've got 40-man roster spots available. And I would assume that as soon as Beto or Hunter Stratton either goes into spring and wins a job or, I mean, it, anything can happen, right, when we talk about that. But also, anytime that somebody else gets injured and you're needed, you will be added. They will be one of the first two that are added throughout this season. You know how this stuff works. But there will be a couple, at least two or three, uh 40-man roster spots open as soon as spring starts and they add people to the 60-day injured list. It could be just their spots to to fill if that's the case, and I think this would be a smart move to to do it that way. Also, Ryan Barucki actually avoided arbitration. They will not have to go to anything. They don't have to submit anything because he just accepted their their contract that was tendered, $1.6 million. Uh, I think he was... I think he was projected to make about 1.3 million. So, you know, the pirates just said, here's a couple extra bucks if you'll sign right now. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, seems like he's excited about the season. And I think that for all of us here, hoping that Harleen Garcia was going to be the big lefty, Ryan Brucky ended up being kind of the lefty in this, in, in this uh, bullpen that stepped up in the biggest way. 40-man roster sits at 37 after these moves. There are some moves going out around the league. Uh, Braves and White Sox hit a big deal. Aaron Nola re-signed with the Phillies. Seven years, 172. Big one there for Aaron Nola. I think a lot of people saw him going back there if they were competitive in the uh, in the offerings. They made it a priority of theirs. I would imagine that maybe he took a couple, couple million of a hometown discount to stick with the same... Uh, organization that he's been with forever in his pro career. And I think that's probably a good move. They're going to be good again. So it's not like there's any motivation to go anywhere else, really. Get your money, stay where you know. I think it's a great move. Hey, there were some awards given out this week, and I know that we usually spend a lot of time on these things. However, I thought this year was really simple. We didn't take much time on it. We've talked about other things. We didn't do our guesses because I think we would have been 100% right, uh, maybe a side of manager of the year. The rookie of the year goes to Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson. Those were easy. Brandon Hyde and Skip Schumacher win the managers of the year. Oh, Corbin Carroll with the Diamondbacks, Gunnar Henderson with the Orioles. I assume you guys know that. Maybe not, especially rookie of the year. Brandon Hyde with the Orioles. Skip Schumacher with the Marlins. They all get manager of the year. Blake Snell, Garrett Cole win Cy Youngs. Blake Snell with the Padres, Garrett Cole with the Yankees. Again, no surprises here. Garrett Cole, maybe you could have had an argument for somebody else there. That's fine. I think if you looked at it, you you would have probably picked Garrett Cole too. And Shohei Otani and Ronald Acuna with the MVPs couldn't have been easier. I don't know if it was the first time that both of them got all 30 votes or if it's the first time in a really long time that both of them got all 30 first place votes. But this one was really easy. I usually tune in to all of these. I did not. I did not watch a, a minute of the Cy Young. Um, I did watch a little bit of the MVP just for the announcements. 
Um, and I did watch the Rookie of the Year ones. Did not watch the Manager of the Year. I don't really care much for Manager of the Year, to be honest with you. Unless one of our guys is going to earn it or, you know, get it. And then I might be like, hey, this is cool. Otherwise, I, you know, it's just not that big of a deal to me. Um, it's a big um there. But these were really easy decisions this year. So a little less drama there. Either way, now that we got through all of that, let's get Gary in here. Let's have a conversation. And uh, I'll be right back. In the spirit of Thanksgiving, now for the meat and potatoes, which ironically I can't eat right now. <laughs> I am uh, I'm excited. Gary's on here. Joining me now, uh, the host of the Pirates Fan Forum and co-editor of Inside the Bucks Basement, Gary Morgan. How you doing? Hey, what's up, man? Good time. We haven't talked in a while. I know, right? I was thinking about that too, and I almost went back and looked to see when the last time that we connected, and then I was like, nah, I don't really have to do that. <laughs> yeah, I got I got to get you back on ours, too. I don't know. I just I feel like uh, I went through a little spell where I was like, you, Michael, you, Michael, you, Michael, like <laughs> for a month. And I, need to, I needed to back off from you a bit. But yep. Good stuff. I get that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited that you're on. Uh, Jay couldn't be there, so I sent you a message and said, Let's, you know, are you able to do it? Um, I'm looking forward to the conversation. However, we have somewhat uh, somewhat tough topics to discuss, starting with the Oviedo news sure. uh, and then uh, trying not to be grumpy, get off my lawners, if you know what I mean, later on. Um, <laughs> so, we'll do our best. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been doing very good lately. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, reported last Monday, Johan Oviedo may need Tommy John surgery, would, if that's the case, miss 2024, and, well, every other Pirates podcast and blog has been talking and writing about it all week. Yeah. <laughs> and you and Jim had some good discussion on the Pirates fan forum this week. I encourage everyone, go listen to their show uh, for this, well, actually, technically. So it was Saturday, right? Is there Saturday audio came, release? Saturday came out on audio. Okay. Yeah. And then video for for the YouTube crowd was was last week, uh, last Thursday. So um, go listen to that show and listen to that chatter. I, I don't know how much of that overlap will be here because um, I don't want to go through the same process uh, that a lot of people have in finding out who's available and who the Pirates should sign and so on and so forth. Um, so take a little bit of a different approach. Um, not because I'm better than anybody else, but because they've already said everything as well as you could. <laughs> I'll give you a little pat on the back here because one of the reasons that I like you and I've latched on to you as a podcaster is because I always felt like, and I, th I think you probably overdo it sometimes, <laughs> but you try super hard to, to lean on the completely fair side of all assessment, you know? And I just think that in listening to you, sometimes you'll change my mind. So just because I talked about it on Thursday doesn't mean that I will have the exact same thing to say today. Because when I'm talking to you, you might spark something that changes my mind, man, which is why I love talking to you. you know? <laughs> like, but the, the back and forth that I think we're starting to develop in this community is pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So... Let's, let's get into a couple different things here, and I want to start on a focus with Oviedo just for a minute, just real quick before we get into uh, the next piece here. 
but actually on Oviedo himself. If it, we're, I think we're all assuming this is Tommy John and he's out, right? I think that worst case scenario, yeah. Okay. But I also think that report came out like almost, what, five days ago at this point? Well, well by, by the time this releases, it'll be a week, right? Because it was Monday. Second opinion is usually already in the works before the media ever finds out about this stuff. So it could be kind of encouraging we haven't heard a follow-up yet mm. that he's undergone surgery. May mean they're thinking about it a little bit longer. May mean, hey, maybe it's just a strain. Let's chill. You know, so perhaps we've all jumped the gun, but I think that's why Jim and I kind of took a different train on it. And, and went more towards this. This was kind of a wake up call, mm. you know? Yeah. And we, and we will get into, uh, we'll get into some of that too. But as far as Oviedo at this point too, uh, does this make him more likely to, to wind up in the bullpen in 25? Uh, you know what I mean? If he does miss 24 and you look at, um, the fact that he's already logged some innings in the bullpen and this could be a way to kind of, bring him back. We might not be talking about how do we get through 24. We might be like, as far as the rotation, we might be looking at two years. Could very well be. I mean, like you figure, let's say Brubaker comes back mid season this year. Right. And even if he looks really good, it's not going to be full workload right away. You know, they'll nurse him back in and everything. So Starter that really helps in 24, probably not. So then he's got an opportunity to go through the tender process again, arbitration again, maybe get an opportunity to potentially possibly start in 2025. And if that happens, Josh, I would have to say a lot of people like you and I are going to be a little angry that they didn't have that filled. You know? Yeah. <laughs> We shouldn't be going into 2025 thinking we need to hire three fresh arms. Right. One way or another. Yeah, and and I think that's part of this too is if it's if it's not him where where's it coming from? You know, where's it coming from next? This is this is an issue. Yeah. And so, you know, moving on to into this in, into this uh this part of the discussion a lot of external options, a lot of internal options. Realistically, though, um, this is going to take internal options to work out in order to, to get through this and have it successful, no matter uh, who they acquire and, and whether they acquire as many as you want or, you know, whatever. Um, there's always risk of injury, uh, regression, who knows what else, and uh, – you know you're gonna have to you're gonna have to cut into internal options sooner or later, and man, you take a look at Oviedo, and we'll we'll do a little bit of an exercise here. Let me let me preface this up. He pitched 116 and two thirds innings in 21, and then 117 and a third in 22, and then 177 and two thirds innings in 23. Part of what uh, what you were talking about in whoa, that's a big jump. Now, he also threw over 120 innings in 18, over 140 innings in 19 before the COVID season. So, like, he actually, and he's a big dude, and we feel like he's built for that. However, none of those numbers 
are really that close. And going from the back-to-back years of under 120 and then going to almost 180, um, you know, is a big thing. And when we think about internal options, uh, this is something that we should be talking about because we can gripe all we want (laughs) about pitch limits and innings limits and all these things, but like it's their job to protect these players. And I would imagine Oviedo had an innings limit. I would imagine he surpassed it. He increased his innings by 60 and a third. Well, I mean, I have pretty good guesstimate that he was sitting at 150 was where they wanted to stop him at. That said, you got to let a player speak to you. Sure. Player looks like they're doing it, their thing and, and they, and they have it. Well, you let them push it a little bit, you know, like they want that extra inning. They really got it. Coach, come on. This is my game. You want to be able to let them have that, you know? Right. So I think there, there's some, there's some part of me that just thinks you're never going to get that out of a competitor at some point. And I, and I think you talk about player relations. Well, players don't want shut down either prematurely when they don't feel like they should be, you know, he had a chance to get to 10 wins in, his second professional year that could mean an awful lot to his future he's trying to solidify himself a spot in the rotation he wants to show he can be that workhorse and get through the whole year even if it was hard you don't want to deny him that challenge and then criticize him for not meeting it right so it's a little bit of a double-edged sword for me that whole conversation and again and i swear this isn't meant to be a shameless plug but that talk that jim and i just had with eric minshaw Mm. weeks ago on our show. Um, I'll tell you what I learned from that mostly, Josh. All that arbitrary little stuff that we talk about, like pitch limits and innings, all the stuff we think we understand, we don't. Like, it may be okay for one guy who has a specific God-given talent to to pitch three days in a row. (laughs) But it may never be for 75% of Right. There is just nothing hard and fast. To me, I think they had to let the kid try to do what he wanted to do and accomplish what he had to accomplish. I don't think they made a decision, screw his health, we need innings. I don't. And if that's where your head goes, I think you just you just want to assume the worst. Right. So. Oh, 100%. And it, and it goes back to, I mean, we're going to keep bringing this up because we do. But it goes back to player centric, right? And there's a there's like a real you're tiptoeing that line on that and saying, well, I care about the player, so I'll protect him. But at the same time, exactly what you're saying, I care about the player, and he set a goal. You know, you talk about them telling Mitch that he's not going to pitch his last outing, even though he had a goal and he wasn't going to be able to reach it. That you know, you just have to make those types of decisions, right. and you know, whichever way they go, this is one of the things I've been saying. And I guess I've been saying it for a long time, but even recently, like we can't pretend like we know the conversations that are going on. We can't pretend that we watch these people every single day, the way that, that, you know, the pirates personnel are watching them every day. There's plenty of new Twitter accounts that will do that. (laughs) But that's what I'm saying. I, I, it's just not, we're just not in that position. If I was able to go watch them practice every day and I was able to see what they're doing and have conversations with them, then that's one thing. But I have to 
I have to leave some room for error on my side or whatever. So let's do a little bit of an exercise here. Um, if, if, you know, if, if it even takes very much time, you start looking at some of these internal options, Quinn Priester, Luis Ortiz, Ronzi Contreras. I mean, you could even go to Jackson Wolf. I should be including Bailey Falter, even though I've been hard nosed not to I, at this until point. They until they don't include him, we have to. Include that's him. right. Um, and even Osvaldo Beto. As well. Right. Yeah, Andre Jackson. Yep. And so you take a look at some of these guys. Um, the workloads, you know, Priester in general, we, we talk about what we saw when he got to Pittsburgh. And it's like, man, he went from 90 and a third to 158 innings. And this is total body, right? So this is minor leagues and major leagues. Man, he had to, he probably was worn down after 120. Even that, I'll. I will also go back to, and I know this personally, he, he was throwing a lot of innings himself after the season the year before, trying to develop some of his pitches and everything. So he kind of did get those extra innings, if you think about it. I know it's different. I see. I see. But there, like right now, for instance, this part of the year, there's no throwing programs going on for the most part for people that are on schedule. So if you're on schedule and you had a complete season, you're shut down right now. You're probably weight training. Should be. And then, well, then you come back, you know, come end of December, early January, and you pick up throwing again. So he didn't do that. He kept going. And then he took his break, and it was a shorter break, and then came into spring. So he didn't have the same recovery time. So I understood kind of his motor running out. Mm -hmm. Also... I think just we have to understand this kid, he's talented. He's got a lot of spin. He plays things. He's got a good head on his shoulders, but he throws five different pitches. That's five different things you can do wrong, like <laughs> on any given night. Oh, yeah. Depending on how everything's working. And when you're that young, and, and you remember this probably just from playing, Josh, how long does it take you to stop doing something stupid when you think it's right? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I just think like you, you have to get punched in the mouth and, and he did and he didn't hang his head. He said, I want to go work. Mm -hmm. That's what he said. Every single time I, I have big hopes for Quinn Priester. So I'm not giving up on him. Right. So if you were going to say, well, let's make sure we take care of him. <laughs> do you do you watch him real closely around 150 innings this year? I mean, I'm sure they have a plan already, but yeah. I would think he's probably they'll probably just open up the motor on him. I would say this was as close to a full season of work as he's going to get. Major league work's a little bit more stressful. They usually tend to account down a little bit for some of that stuff. If he gets to 150 innings this year, First of all, awesome. You know what I mean? And then maybe I'll start worrying about it when he gets around 120. And if, if we're in if we're in July, again, he's pitched great to throw that many innings at that point. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I think I'll, I'll kind of just let it happen before I worry about it much. Plus, they, they tend to be more flexible on that than, than we've given them credit for. Like, Luis Ortiz probably shouldn't have been pitching at the end of 2022, technically, if you want to. 
Yeah, Our 87. Uh, you know I got the numbers, Gary. <laughs> well, I didn't know you were going here, but... 87 and a third uh, in 21, and he jumped to 140 and a third uh, in 22. And he was about there, 143 and a third this year. So, yeah, I mean, Luis Ortiz is another thing, and and we're talking about a guy in him and Rowanzi, if you want to compare or put the two together, uh, because they both... Like I said, when you said they were shut down, and I said they should be, if you remember, those two were not. Yeah. You know, they kept going, and it's no wonder. Now, Rowanzi's innings were different because he did actually go down. Like, he did actually pitch less. But I think it's because of that fact that he never actually had an offseason. And this is a guy with no options, and that's part of that discussion. And to, if you ask me, he has to... He has to work out, and if he doesn't, it's he's gone. You know what I'm saying? Like, but for him, because of what it was, because it it from what I can see, it was fatigue. It was velo down. There's nothing in the tank. Um, that's what I have to see for him. Uh, and Luis Ortiz is the same issue, right? And so when you look at those two, I'm just saying. As you start to see, because we're talking about probably the three front runners for some sort of coming out of camp, having a, a spot in the rotation at some point. Like it can't, it's not going to be. If any of these guys win that job, it probably shouldn't be them all year. There, there should be something. And when they start to run out of innings, as much as I hate, and thank goodness Jake's not on here, but these piggyback starts one time through the order, one time through the order. You're gonna have to see that stuff this year, and you have to see that. I think we're gonna see that around the league anyway. Yeah, it, it's making its way around the league. It, it just is a thing. Uh, Blake Snell just won the Cy Young, basically doing exactly what we're saying we don't like. Yeah. So, um, he, I think he's pitched into the sixth like four times this year. So yeah. you know so. If I plopped him in the seventies, you'd call him a reliever. You know, I mean, like that's that is what it is. Um, I don't know. I don't care if they do that as long as they win. But if some of these guys, you're right. The clocks are going to tell you what you have to do with them. Thing is, before before Oviedo got hurt, thought they needed two pitchers, and the reason I kept saying two, I wanted to make sure I left a spot for one of these guys to win. But I wanted it to be a legitimate win. Like sure. you say, like Rowanzi has to make it. Yeah. No, he doesn't. Rowanzi has to be given an opportunity to make it. And if he gets his butt kicked in the spring and Jared Jones looks better, I know where I'm getting my 40 man spot. Because if he's not pitching right, he's not going to help in the bullpen either. You know? Yeah, I, I'm reluctant on on Jared Jones. Um, I just used him as an example. Okay, okay, pick, okay. Pick like Ortiz. Yeah, or I got Mister you. Okay. Or uh, Wolf or sure. I don't care. Whoever kicks his butt that's on the forty man already. Easy yeah. decision for me. Now you know we'll see what they actually bring in because now that two is really more like maybe you really ought to do three. Because you want to put right. the brakes on Jared Jones, but if you if if you don't get two minimally there ain't no way you get to the all-star break before he debuts right <laughs> just isn't so 
Well, and and that's part of this. That's part of the. It, it's part of. You're gonna have to use a lot of these guys, and there's just no point in me in uh, or for me in writing these guys off, so to speak, uh, because we're we we say we can't rely on these guys, but we're going to at some point this season. We're going to rely on these guys to give us quality innings. Maybe now we're not asking, you know, hopefully we're well, not Josh, asking them to give we, us 200, but are we the ones confusing things here or, no. or is Ben Charrington the ones? Confusing sure. Things that's here? fair. Because now, now be honest. Had he not said the words that he wanted them to compete this year and win right. more. Well, had he not said he wanted to try to be one of those playoff teams this year, right? Had he not said that, had he not told the media he's going after pitching and, free agency had he not told the media they're going to acquire we wouldn't be maybe shoving all this on him because if you look at the team and i could make a pretty strong case as much as unpopular as it is i can make a pretty strong case they ought to just push into this year with young pitching get themselves some veterans like to sprinkle around and, and run with the kids one more year and then spend next year but hmm He's the one to keep saying it. Right. Well, and the only reason I say that is because Josh, the pitching didn't get here on time. That's. 100% and if you true. ever want to get Mitch Keller's, you've got to suck long enough to see them pitch. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's reality. Cause when's the next comfortable time we onboard a, a rookie starting pitcher, unless they come up here like Spencer Strider. Yeah. It's I, I, I try to avoid saying things like this. Um, however, if you're going to win in Pittsburgh, you're going to have to have young pitchers and young players playing well. You're not going to be the Philadelphia Phillies and go out and buy your team in free agency. It's not going to happen. Um, so, uh, you know, w- you're going to, you're going to need it to happen. Obviously you hope, I mean, Paul Skeens, but you hope you get one, so somebody else before that too. That somebody else like a Jared Jones shows up, or even right after him, considering age and stuff like that. But you got those, you know, two high school arms in, in Chandler and Salomino who. Josh, they, I'll count Ortiz. That's true. I'll count Contreras. Like, get me a win. Yeah. Get me a get me a developmental win. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm uh I'm stubborn on Contreras. I still think that he's got it. I think he had one bad year, and like you said, though. Uh, it's it's spring. You're gonna find out. And to me, it's simple. He's got the velocity, or he doesn't. I think he has to have it. I think he has to have at least the ability to place it. If he doesn't have it, <laughs> and, and I was kind of writing that, that part off. <laughs> well, I, that's that's part of the problem, though. He wasn't even doing that. Because uh, you know, he's yeah. he, he converted almost fully to that two seamer for some reason. And he can't put it where he wants to. No, and it's not. I, I don't. It's not for me to say. I'm not a pitching guy. It's not for me to say that that was a bad move. But I just. It's not about. It's not about me saying it's a bad move. It's just. It's a fact. That's what happened to. Him. Oh no 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 I, no no move. that's not, that's not what I meant. I just meant like I wish he would have never done it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what I'm saying. I I just. But but I I'm saying I don't want to go in and say that because I'm not. I don't claim I to be a pitching. I give him something that went the other direction. Yeah, because didn't it start off with he, him going for a changeup and ended up 
Well, I think it was basically like we need you to be able to throw one of these two. Okay. And I and I totally get that. Yeah. That makes total sense. But what he was using as his slow pitch the first year he came up was that curveball. Well, then the curveball stopped being effective because he changed the shape of the slider and he didn't have the fastball to play off of it anymore. It just it, it was a whole train wreck of things in a series of events. All I'm telling you, Josh, is they've taken him to two specialists and don't have answers yet. Yeah. And you so think I it's more so so you think <laughs> it's you're seeing more than just fatigue lost his velo. You're seeing I mean I don't I don't know. I they're, guess they're, I I'm guess not we'll see. You're telling you that I know. Sure. I'm just no, telling no. you like this is the results that, that they're seeing. Yeah. This is the measures I've seen that they've taken to try to solve it. And it hasn't been solved quite yet. That said, we just talked about how crazy it is all these guys have pitched and Ortiz is in winter ball right now. <laughs> Uh, you can't stop that. So, and not that I would even say you should. I don't know. Uh, I have, um, and this goes this goes even further. But I, I have it in my in my plans at some point this off season to talk about pitching injuries and the way that pitchers a- approach their game, and maybe all players. Even I'm not prepared to to go down that path right now, but. The this is not the injuries thing is not a pirates thing right now. Right. This is all over the game. For sure. Um, if the pirates found a way to avoid Tommy John, it would be uh, not satisfactory. It would be extraordinary. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it goes. Um, it, it's all over the place. We'll have to fit that into another one. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not ready to talk about it, but. Get yourself an expert. Yeah. Oh man, that'd be. Because uh, you can't blame yourself, Ben. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I, I always throw all the pitching questions to Jake. Be like, "What do you think, Jake?" I don't. <laughs> Jake, and uh, someday I just want Jake to say, "My best pitch was a changeup." So. <laughs> uh, but we've got a couple other things here uh, to talk about. Maybe a little. Um, less tense for Pirates fans, and this is where we try not to be grumpy old men. Um, it wouldn't really be the offseason if we didn't have some kind of conversation about rules or TV blackouts or some yeah. sort of combination of that. I assume you saw the uh, the new proposals that are out uh, for some of the rules. Uh, that, And this is going to happen, I feel like, every year. Maybe... Uh, as far as uh, Bobby Manfred is going to be in charge, we're uh, we're probably going to talk about this till we don't recognize the game anymore. You know what I mean? It will uh, now. Uh, maybe I Last should. CBA made the the competition committee a rubber stamp for whatever he wants. Yeah, so. that's true. I got to hit the. Dang it, Bobby! My little Bobby Manfred. Uh, anyway, um, I. I'm avoiding being that grumpy old man, right? I'm, I'm, I do a little bit of this in, in some fun, saying before we don't recognize it and all that stuff. But but there's some stuff flying around. So let me ask you before we get into it, like an overall summary sort of thing. You watched a full season with the rules that were put in place last year. Uh, how do you feel about them now? Didn't notice the bases at all. Uh, I thought that, I mean, the way that I thought they were going to look to me, they didn't by the end of the season. I, I, I can honestly tell you I didn't think about them by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're an advantage, uh, it's only because somebody was smart enough to take that extra 
three quarters of an inch or whatever in a lead. And I just don't see that as something that really happened uh, all that often. The extra stolen bases, I think, are probably more from limiting how many times they can throw over. That's probably the most consequential of the of the new rules, I would say. Um, hitters seem to hate the, the pitch clock more than pitchers did for the most part. But I think uh, restricting it further after just one year is probably not the smartest idea in the world. I think just whenever you're like changing physiology of a game, I feel like you have to take your time just to make sure that it doesn't do damage before you do something else. That's all. I don't think those two seconds are going to help anybody either. <laughs> the, right. games are, the games are, are, are moving along quite nicely now. Let's, and I appreciate it. I thought it was a good move overall. Sure. Yeah, and I thought that, uh, you know, we've spoke about this uh, too. I thought it really did um, kind of take it back a little bit to when I was a bit younger. You know what I mean? Uh, it, the games did move quicker. All the antics and everything That's that they That's a great point because all it did really is just transplant baseball back to what it was right. before we were so concerned about having signs stolen and freaking out of, like, uh, guys cart wash to do whatever they want in between pitches. That's it. Yeah. I was going to say I'd go even more to the image. You know what I mean? Like if I wait an extra 10 seconds to throw this pitch, then the camera will be zoomed in on me or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Anyway. I also think like in the seventies, like when some guy did something weird, like say some dude like had to crack his spikes in between each swing, like Josh Harrison did. Mm-hmm. and get that swing in, fix those batting gloves every single time. They were considered quirky and weird, and nobody emulated them and wanted to be like that, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and that's if the ump didn't go, hey, cut it out. <laughs> Strike one. <laughs> you know, like, I just think, like, things have changed a lot in the game, and sure, they needed reminded that it's supposed to be a game, not a chess match. Yeah. So uh, you alluded to it there, uh, his first big proposal right now, and this is one that is kind of interesting because it feels pretty bullish. Like it feels pretty like, hey, this is my proposal, which basically means like this one in particular is getting in, like it or not. Um, He wants to move the pitch clock from 20 seconds to 18 seconds with runners on base. I read the article by The Athletic who kind of put some of those numbers out saying, well, this is why. And he said that game length in April was two hours and 36 minutes on average. And in September, it was two hours and 44 minutes. And like they used, uh, first off, well, games in September are more tense. I mean, I I just feel like I would expect it to be a longer game in September than it is in April. It just in general, I just would expect that. Um, but it's also eight minutes and I feel like maybe getting bent out of shape over eight minutes is kind of ridiculous. But How does nobody make the correlation between TV timeout being extra in the playoffs for extra money as opposed yeah. to yeah. nobody ever make I don't yeah and I don't know if this had anything to do with I know that they were talking September I don't I don't know so I don't know what it was as far as playoffs maybe they didn't cite that because of that but um it also stated in the article that it was part of it that said players adapted to ways uh to control the pitch clock. And that's one that I particularly thought was, 
Like, no kidding. No matter what rule you have, it's your job as a player. Right. Your job as a player is to maximize, like, your ability to do something within the rules. So if you want to call it, like, I don't know, I this one, that one, that's not a problem to me. <laughs> it's not. It's it's insignificant to me. Uh, I guess to me, 18 seconds. Okay. Guy on base. Let's see. Pitcher gets the, the ball back. Clock starts. 18 seconds. So he can't throw the ball until, what, eight seconds left? So or, have... or whenever the batter's ready. Right. Okay. So... <laughs> Now he has, what, 10 seconds, I guess, to mess around with that runner Mm -hmm. where he can't even throw over or throw a pitch if he wants to anyway. So he's just going to stand there. And then when he gets down to eight seconds, he has eight seconds to feel comfortable with his pitch, check on the runner, throw the pitch. I just think we're asking a little bit too much. That's all. And it's one more decade of difficulty for umpire that are already kind of struggling to keep up with all this. (laughs) It's just too much. Yeah. It's just too much. It won't be long before we're reviewing that clock and you can challenge whether somebody was ready or, you know, I'm right. It sucks. I don't want to see it. I just chill and let us, let these soak in for a second. That's all. That's it. Change the rules for a couple seconds. So they also said that the, the the pitchers rarely let the clock get to zero with the runner on base. Well, no kidding, because if you let it get to zero, the, the base runner has a <laughs> has a head start. It right. says an average of 7.3 seconds remaining on the clock when they let go, an average. Um, so if the pitchers are releasing the ball with 7.3 seconds remaining and you shorten it by two seconds, then they'll be releasing the ball by 5.3 seconds, five, you know, uh, with left on the clock and games won't be any shorter than they were before just because you took two they didn't wait an ex they didn't go two seconds they didn't still shoot for 7.3 like they just it, it, it won't have any effect on it uh, he, I, just, I don't I don't think it's gonna I, I don't think it's something they can't overcome sure this isn't a hill I'll die on no not at all I just think they're changing it for the sake of changing uh, that's I what I think. Imagine anybody complained about it. I can't imagine anyone has done research and said, "Rob, these five minutes, you have no idea. It's the difference between an audience this big and this big." And he goes, "Oh my god, like I just don't see that happening. I'm sorry, I don't." And if no. and if that's a, a generational thing, um, you know, the way they're moving, <laughs> let's just say their attention spans are not getting bigger. The game's only going to get so small, Robbie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go for a quick answer on this. Do you think this impacts injuries? Don't know enough yet. Yeah. No, I. I don't. Yeah. So I don't yet. This was I'm the. Sure it has some. Right. This was the players' kind of response to it. They want the same clock for both, which I kind of, I believe, I kind of think the same thing too. If if you made the time the same for runners on and no runners on I it's I don't I think it's a minimal effect I think you just say the pitch clock is this if that's 18 then just meet in the middle it's 18 they won't get that I he he won't <laughs> they won't get that I, I like that too it's yeah. less thinking yeah I just think change. that's what it is and like I said it they're going to release the ball before that so more it, than anything it's rhythm yeah You're creating rhythm 
So let rhythm be established. You don't change things to rhythm. You know what it is? He wants it at 15 seconds anyway. So he gave them the extra five seconds because they wanted it. Now he's taking two of them away. Then he'll take two of them away. And then he'll move the, the whole thing to 14 seconds and say, it's 14 seconds all the time, the way he wanted it from the very beginning anyway. Um, I, I, the pitch clock has been good. I think the exact thing that you said, let it ride for a minute before we just continue to push. You know what I mean? Just let it ride. See what it does for a minute. Why not? So uh, there was a few other ones, and I don't know how much of these are as in stone, but I would imagine we'll see some sort of uh, mix of the of these other ones. Batter timeouts. This goes back to the hitters who don't like it. Um, the home plate umpire would signal for the restart of the pitch clock after granting the batter's request. Before it was I, once I called request, it didn't start again till he got in the box. Now it's like, all right, that's long enough. I'm going to start the pitch clock again. Now the hitter's got to get back in. So it's just another way to keep things moving. And then, you know, whatever. Change the rule. As long as it doesn't bother my experience, I don't care. As long, <laughs> just, just like having the pitchers show the gloves to the umpires. Is, I, the umpires don't even look most of the time. You know, they literally just stand there and tell each other a, a dumb dad joke, and then he goes into the into the dugout. They barely even do anything. He'll pat him on the butt half the time now. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter and it doesn't affect my experience. I don't care and I'm not railing on it. Yeah. If, if I if this doesn't affect my experience and I don't care, so what? How about it? But to me, I, I just leave it alone again. I just it's nothing is wrong here. I just right. <laughs> don't think it needs addressed. Pitchers must work exclusively from the stretch with runners on base. <laughs> this one is no. They want they want this because a recent trend in which pitchers have adopted hybrid deliveries creating confusion particularly with a runner on third base. Oh no, we're trying to uh have some sort of deception in like that's the, <laughs> once again, that's the point. Well, you would have to automatically retire Rich Hill. That's fine with me. <laughs> well, but no, my my point is though. There's a lot of there's a lot of people that change their deliveries. Yeah, I don't can't, understand this. Can't see that. Like, what about people that just drop down little sidearms sometimes? Like, I I think that's that. I think that's okay. I think what they're saying is, if there's a runner on, you got to go from the stretch. No, I don't like that. And and any pitcher, I think, will tell you that there are times when they need to. They need to abandon the stretch just to get themselves right, get their timing back, and build up their their pitching rotation motion again. So I don't think you want to start messing with physiology. Uh, well, uh, well, they they thing, do man. want to. <laughs> Josh, you probably know. You're probably one of the few people that know exactly what a balk is, right? <laughs> probably one of the few people that has looked that deeply into it and really, really knows what a balk is. And I bet when you watch baseball, you probably in your head to the point where your kids even know about it have gone bulk, bulk, <laughs> bulk. Probably two or three times a game. Yeah, but you know the problem game. is? You know what the problem is? It's never called a balk. But every right. time that left-hander throws over to first, I'm like, that's a balk. <laughs> right. So let's add in something else where people have to try to decide yep. what's the stretch and what isn't. Like, 
Does Corbin Burns ever go into the stretch? I could argue he doesn't. Because he just lifts his leg slightly, pivots, and goes. That's no different than just a sweep motion. You can't control that stuff. And then you have these bullpen guys. Like, you want to tell me, like, that people can't do creative things and then let Taylor Rogers pitch out in San Francisco? He's throwing from the ground. Like, there's blades of grass he's almost touching. Yeah. Like, that's – I don't think that should be cool, right? <laughs> Did you, did you ever like did it. you ever face anybody through like that? No. It's wild, man. I did. No. no. Maybe a wiffle ball. Oh. Unhittable. Wiffle ball. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I guess, Actually, I guess you can tell. Actually, the type of hitter I was, this kid was pretty unhittable, too. I'm pretty sure I just laid down a bunt. <laughs> that was my go-to when I felt like I couldn't hit a guy. <laughs> we probably do sound like old guys. I, don't know. I, <laughs> I just, think so. I guess in reality, though, most of these aren't going to affect my experience all that. When right. I get upset about them, I'm usually more, I don't know, doing this stuff. You kind of get close to some of the players. You identify with their issues a little bit more. And you talk to some of them a little bit deeper about the game, and you just think of things that you never would have thought about if you were just a normal, I'm sitting on the couch watching the game. Like, well, now I see, I think like two seconds, and I think of instantaneously, I can think of a guy that that would drive nuts making somebody never throw from from the stretch position. I, I can't imagine doing that to, like, A.J. Burnett, for instance. You know, <laughs> he hated, like, anybody messing with anything he wanted to do up there. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. What's next? You can't move to the left and right of the rubber? I guess Oh, my gosh. Pick. You know, <laughs> like, who knows what they'll do. Yeah. Well, this is uh, limiting mound visits from five to four. If you use all of them before the ninth, you can get an extra one in the ninth. Um, and the, their citing is that a mound visit is among the fans' least favorite events in baseball. <laughs> okay, we're just moving on from that one. <laughs> Pitching I, changes moved from two minutes and 15 seconds to two minutes flat. Dude, these just keep coming. If you could, if you really want to know what annoys me about mound visits, it's the one that comes to a reliever right after a pinch hitter is brought up. Yeah. Because, first of all, I think that's kind of too late in the process to be telling a pitcher what to do with a guy. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and it probably doesn't help quite as much as you'd hope, but that slows down a whole lot of stuff because usually when there's a pinch hitter, it's also an exciting time of the game. And now you've got to stop it. So if you want to get rid of one, get rid of that one. Just say like, hey, after there's been a, a pinch hitter, you can't do that. Because, you know, there's nothing going on in the game, so he could walk over and talk to the third base coach and have the pitching coach like kind of standing there on the railing talking to him or whatever, right? Right. Don't have to be an official mound visit. So, um, Circumvention is written. Pitchers no longer would be permitted to delay the start of the clock by walking around the edge of the mound after a ball is out of play. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. So I'll give you I'll give you one I think you might actually like here. If a pitcher warms up on the field, he must at least face one hitter. Dave Roberts. I'm looking at you, man. Uh I this didn't is know for that was a thing either. So uh, here's the thing. This is for if you came in the game, you had to 
face three batters. Right. So let me uh, let me paint the picture here. This is for when a pitcher comes back onto the mound to start an inning. So this could be the starter, a reliever, whatever, who was pitching the inning before, right? He comes out, and once you once you finish an inning, that three batter limit is off. So if you face one guy and finish an inning, I see it doesn't saying. matter, right? So he comes back onto the mound. He's on the on the mound in play. He warms up. the 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 hitting team announces a pinch hitter, and I'm calling out Dave Roberts. It's not fair. It's a, it's more than him, right? But I just feel like I've seen him do it more than anything. But they come out and they and oh, I'm going to get a lefty now. So he's starting a new inning, and he's not he hasn't freshly come in like he had to have. If he's fresh in, he has to face three. But in this I case, I didn't know it was a problem. Yeah. But now that you now that you taught me about this problem, I. I'm ready to make some signs and pick it. I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, this <laughs> is one that things, I didn't even know for real. So yeah, of course, I'm fine with that. Yeah, this is one I'm all about. Uh, it, so it happened 23 times last season, where a pitcher came out, warmed up on the field, they announced the pinch hitter, and the coach came out and made a pitching change. Yeah, that's it happened. So yeah, I think. I like that. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Um, so there was uh, some suggestions too. Uh, I really like this one. Um, another suggests a widening of the runner's lane to include the dirt path on the fair side of the foul line from home okay. to first. We've been talking about that for a couple of years because we had Kevin Newman and Brian Reynolds getting hit with balls and being called out, coming out of the right-handed batter's box, making a straight line to first, and we made the I made the comment, if you have a problem with that, put the base in foul territory. They're running straight to the base. Yeah, I'm fine with that, too. Yep. Uh, So hopefully that one gets in. Uh, I really like that one. Whit Merrifield, uh, who's on the committee there uh, that's that's bringing this stuff up, he brought one to the the table concerning fielders blocking the bases, something that Kutch brought up this season uh, back in May. Um, It would prevent fielders from blocking the bag to – to prevent base runners from reaching the bag before the tag. Um, and they're kind of tying this in with the home plate collisions and things like that. But basically the fielders can't block uh, the direct pathway of runners and impede them from reaching a base, even in the act of fielding a throw or while possessing the ball. Runners uh, runners could not initiate avoidable contact. So the only exceptions would be when the runners are out by enough that blocking the base does not impact the play or when defenders are in the act of fielding the batted ball, which is obvious. And the worst part about this, which I don't mind it, I I think that's fine. I mean, we kind of, you know, Kutch made a bit, I remember when he, you know, when he made a, a point about this, but umpires would be directed to target egregious violations. So it would have to be obvious and their judgments would judgment not be subject call. to replay. Here's another judgment call. Um, another opportunity to stop a game that we're feverishly trying to slow down or speed up. Speed up. Um, another reason for a double play to not count. Another reason for a stolen base to, to count yeah. or not count, right? Yeah. Another. Like, yeah, in this case, another, it would be to count, right? Because if he blocks the base, yeah. the runner's going to be awarded the base or whatever, yeah. Just another reason for all of that stuff and another thing to be challenged. And uh, I don't know why you wouldn't challenge that almost every time. And, like, 
it can't be about safety. And here's why it can't be about safety, because you're still expecting them to tag. So something's going to go in front of the base, right? (laughs) Yeah. I just, uh, I I think if you block the base with your glove, I think that would be on the acceptable list. Well, my (laughs) point is like, you can't say like, this is about not wanting people to get spiked or whatever, because something's still going to go there. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's coming from the side of the base runner mostly. Yeah. Well, I think they've already done enough to make stolen bases easy and nothing more so than replay. I'm not looking to add another thing they can challenge. I'm sorry, I'm not. As far as blocking the bags, I do understand. I think the there's a main type of blocking that I would want out of it, which is when people put their foot and or leg in front of the bag. Yeah. If you could get rid of that, that's no different than really the definition for the catcher blocking. Exactly. I think that if is... If you would force that around, okay. I think that's the goal. I think that's what they're actually trying to push for is when the leg goes in front of the entire base and I, I can't get there. Right. I think that's, if I remember right, that was the McCutcheon situation that he was complaining about where he was saying, yeah, I could have touched it, but I had no way to get to the base. There's just times when ridiculousness is going to take over for that sort of thing, because somebody's going to die for a bad throw and it's going to come about that they blocked. The, the bag that they weren't trying to you know it right and that's but, actually yes. listed there right even even when fielding a throw i know but it's a how judgment do you call and i don't know how you would just define what was purposeful or not and you know what they're doing as as, they're trying to keep umpires out there if they go to a robot strike zone and people say well what's the umpires for well we're, we're putting a bunch of judgment calls in so <laughs> sure. um, they'll still have a job yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I, I I like it. The unintended consequences could probably drive me nuts. I would make it not reviewable. That's and it, and it's way. not, yeah. That to me is, I mean, like, you can't review their judgment is specifically what you read. Yeah. Okay. So does that mean they have to make that call in real time? That's my understanding of it. Okay. So as long as that call has to be made in real time, that to me would automatically usually make it egregious right for the most part but the next obvious fight in that will be they'll want the ability to review it right yeah you're going to see it happen where they're going to the coach is going to say he was blocking the base and he's going to come out and he's going to argue the fact that he was blocking the base but you can't review it so you're out there arguing for what reason you know well because we used i mean like that i kind of am like well you know we used to argue about everything (laughs) but so why not just let the manager go out there and, and you know what I mean? I love the clips of Earl Weaver and those guys, Tommy Lasorda and all those guys running out there. I mean, Jim Leland and just going out there and giving them an earful, you know what I mean? Like those are, that's a good time, but it's yeah, won't, fun. won't get that from, from Sheldon. Nope. And I'm okay with that. If that, you know what I mean? That's his. He's up front about it. He told everybody yeah. it's not what he does. It's not what he believes in. It's not how he is. So right. I've never expected it. That said, I have seen him get more pissed than I have seen most humans <laughs> at times on that baseball field. Um, <laughs> at umpires. And, um, he's young and fit enough that he 
he's one of the few I wouldn't want to tick off. It's a lot different than Larry Boa getting mad at you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think I think that you know this is going to continue to happen every year, and uh, you know it's fine. It the NFL changes their rules every year too. Whether yeah. You know it or not. Right. I mean, they literally just took the the nuts out of special teams unit all in one flail swoop and put fair catches on kickoffs. I mean, like game over. Right. And <laughs> so, you can fair catch in the on the five and still get it to twenty. Is that is that think think about what that does to union jobs, right? People that return punts and play special teams, right? Baseball would never allow that. So right. that's why I'm surprised Robo Ops have gotten this far. Yeah, and while we're on this, and I and I'll and I'll say this, uh you know, because I've mentioned a couple times TV stuff, but I you know we went pretty long here. We'll probably just skip that and I'll save it for next week. But, um, but while we're still on the, uh, on the rules and everything, it seems to me that this, these are all very specific. And I know it's been, it's been, Oh, we need to up the action. We need to get the action going. People like action. They don't like downtime. They don't like action. And every statistic that they call out for these rules is about total game time. I'm sorry. It's either about action or it's about total game time. If it's about action, I don't care what the total game time is. Stop telling me. I don't care. And I don't care anyway because I'm a baseball fan, so I get it. But I'm going to tell you right now, whether the game is two and a half hours or three hours, a casual fan will watch some of it, but they're not going to sit and watch the whole thing anyway. I mean, Josh, I think sometimes they ignore the obvious. Like, you know, the role changes, some of them are good. I think pitch clock by and large is good but you take a game that i think if you uh, in the east coast market started at 6 six thirty, all the time i think you'd have better attendance all the time i really do you start these games at 7 30 8 o'clock 8 30 9 o'clock i'm sorry you're not and you're not going to get good numbers either right so i i think there's ways they could change some of that stuff. Have more day games. People used to love having excuses to take off work and go to a day game. Have more of them. Or people like me who work from home and have all of my work on this screen and a yeah. baseball game on that screen over there. I love that. Right. I love day games. Right. I'm just <laughs> but saying, like, I know I'm an exception to that. But do some stuff that doesn't change the game. Yeah. I just don't. I don't. I don't think that. They explore that side of things all that often. That's all. You know, fix the economics. <laughs> but that's just me. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, we'll we'll keep talking about this stuff. We'll keep following it. I I like to cover the the bigger picture stuff, not just. Uh, well, part of it is because of you know what I'm saying. Like if if I listen to four people who have all week talking about one subject and I agree with everything they say. <laughs> then what, what's the point in me saying it? But also I think that sometimes we don't pay attention to some of this stuff. And then we get into the season and we say, what the heck was that? You know what I mean? So I like to talk about it, but, um, and we'll get into, uh, I think Jake will be back next week. So we'll get into some of the TV stuff maybe next week and hoping, hoping for an answer next week. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Beginning in December, we should know something. Um, so, uh, and, and, you know, 
I guess for a for a teaser for next week too, look around the league at the impact that this TV stuff is having. Um, <laughs> it's not fun. Uh, I think it'll be reflected in the free agent market this year. I I mean I'm sure it will be. There's already teams saying, no, we can't. Yeah, we'll not this it. year. So this I was good, man. Yeah, this for was sure. Good. For sure. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and making time. Jake's uh, Jake's got some times to miss. So if you guys want to sit in for Jake, let me know. <laughs> yeah, man. We'll have uh, we'll have some people on. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on. It's always good to it's always good to sit down and talk baseball. We'll have to we'll have to get together sometime when it's not winter. I hibernate for the winter, so for sure, I'll, I'll be back in Pittsburgh when when the weather warms. <laughs> We'll get you back on our show here in a little bit, too. That'll be good. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks, guys. Let's go, Bucks. Thanks for listening to my dad and Uncle Jake on the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bridge the Number Two Bucktober. Don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. Clear the deck. Cannonball coming. And let's go, Bucks.